This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Special Edition Black Panther. Welcome back, my special edition Black Panther. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I've assembled the Animation Brain Trust for a non-animated film. It's Paul Montgomery. Hello. And Ryan Haupt. My man. So we decided to get together to talk about Black Panther because Josh doesn't get to go to the movies, and uh, we thought it'd be fun to talk about one that's not fully animated. This one yeah, is slightly I mean, animated. There's a little bit of animation. Yes. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> it's, it's bit. We're only going to talk about the animated parts, right? <laughs> That's what I was told. So this is a movie review of Black Panther. There'll be spoilers. If you haven't watched the movie yet, you should probably pause the show and come back and watch it. You don't want to be spoiled. This is, I think, the 18th Marvel Studios film in the long... That's what Wikipedia says. ...unending line of Marvel films. Yeah, they're just forever now. <laughs> like Wakanda. Written and directed by Ryan Coogler, also co-written by Joe Robert Cole. Uh, Ryan Coogler, this is is only his third film. Yes, we did Fruitvale Station, Creed, Yep, and then this. Correct. He's my age, and I hate him. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I also wanted I wanted to shout out uh, Joe Robert Cole as well. You mentioned him; he's the co-writer on this. And I was like, I've I feel like I've lost track of the screenwriters on the Marvel Studios films, sort of mm-hmm. largely, like because they're so they come so fast and furious. And but Joe Robert Cole uh, is really interesting because he wrote some episodes of uh, American Crime Story, right uh, from 2016, so the OJ season. So there were a couple episodes of that. So that's great. If if anybody hasn't seen uh, those episodes, go check. Them. I mean, I mean that whole season. Go check it. Don't just watch those two episodes. Probably. Well, I guess it would make sense because it's real. Like those things happened. Mm-hmm. But but anyways, uh, Joe Robert Cole is also. I guess I I think Marvel Studios should should like grab onto him. <laughs> and make sure he comes back and does Black Panther two. I think they've they've said they want Ryan Coogler to come back for Black oh, Panther two. Of course two. they do. Yeah. But Joe Robert Cole, a name to watch. He is um, he's he's caught up in uh in Michael Chabon's uh, Hasbro universe of cinematic films. He's it looks like he's attached to Rom, and Visionaries. So we'll see what he does with. Well, it was the, nice uh, knowing you, Joe Robert Cole. Yeah, the, the, the cosmic Hasbro universe. But yeah, I hope he uh, he comes back for uh, Black Panther 2 because I guess we could get right into it. This is a really good movie. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting. Going into it, there was a lot of talk about how terrific it was or is from people mm-hmm. who at early screenings or press screenings or what have you. And it's hard to trust that because we are in an era of hyperbole in which everything is either amazing or terrible. Mm. I, I got burned hard by that for The Last Jedi. There's almost no nuance in the online re- reaction to films. It's either thumbs up or thumbs down. So I, I mm. wasn't leery, but I was, and I'm, I'm hoping it was good. I was going into hoping it was good, but I was happy that when it was over, I was like, oh, good. It was really good. It was. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was happy when it was over. Quote. No, I mean, it was, I was happy that when I walked out, I was like, oh, God, thank God. It was, it was good. It wasn't just the normal nerd hype. Well, it's, I mean, uh, other than that, there was, you also had, you know, some of the marketing to go by some of the trailers and did that look, you know, enticing to you or? Well, I, I, I'm like, at the point the now where I don't really watch trailers. Okay. I don't seek them out. Like if, if they're on before a you film, I okay. obviously see them. Right. So I mean, I was looking forward to it as the next Marvel chapter. I liked Chadwick Boseman a lot who plays T'Challa. He's only done a handful, relative handful of films, but I've liked everything I've seen him in a lot. The cast is terrific. Michael B. Jordan is one of our most charming actors. He was terrific in Creed. which Honestly, I was looking forward to this the most because I, Creed is one of my favorite films of the year. It came out. It's really good. Yeah. Also directed by Ryan Coogler. Right, and Ryan Coogler. Basically, he, he, brought al- he brought along most of his crew. Rachel Morrison, who's the Academy Award-nominated director of photography, shot this as well, and... Michael B. Jordan was the star of Creed. Uh, that was the most exciting uh, to me. Ludwig Göransson did the score also uh, from Creed, which uh, makes sense now that I, I I checked that out because during the movie I was like, is, are they paying sort of homage to like the Creed theme or like <laughs> Rocky stuff or is it just I don't know? But like, uh, yeah, I, I, and also ever since um, the the Eagles won the Super Bowl, um, just remind Philly, go Philly. There we, we've been hearing a lot of the Rocky music, so and the, and the various themes. So it's it's kind of been in my head, but. Uh, at least, so I'm not crazy. Ludwig Göransson did Creed and also did the uh, the score for di- for this. Um, you know what's funny, Paul? I noticed Ludwig Göransson did the music as well, and yeah. my first thought was he also did the music for a little television show called Community, which gave us the Russo brothers as directors, who are directing uh, all the okay. Avengers movies now. It's almost like Hollywood's really, really small. <laughs> it's just interesting that one little. It, show. No, it is. That's it's, it's an interesting connection too. Dan Harmon did write-ups on Doctor Strange. The, 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 the reason why I was most excited was because when they announced Ryan Coogler was writing and directing it, that's when my interest in the movie shot way up from... Yeah, yeah, from he's movie. awesome. And the cast is terrific. What was great about not knowing a lot about it going into it was I was able to be surprised by a lot of people who were in the movie. Okay. Like Daniel Kaluuya? Kaluuya, uh, Kaluuya, Kaluuya, yeah, Kaluuya. as uh, Wakabi. From Get Out. I had no idea he was in the movie. That was a fun surprise. And... I don't know so if this good. was promoted or not, but the entire audience that I saw this movie was gasped when Sterling K. Brown came on the screen. Oh, cool, cool. Who plays Najobu, who is uh, the uncle of T'Challa. I mean, I don't know if it's an L.A. audience who's all tuned into This Is Us or not, but everyone in the audience gasped when he came on the screen. Again, great in American Crime Story. <laughs> No, I, he's he's a fantastic actor, and I and I'm glad you brought up those two specifically. I mentioned on Twitter that the way Kugler deploys the two of those actors, those casting choices, mm-hmm. I think are really interesting. Like I, he deploys them like proton torpedoes. I said because 
the emotional resonance for both of those characters is huge. And they're just like, they're, they're almost like tertiary characters. Yes. In another movie, it wouldn't be a name actor in those roles. No, it's almost a cameo for, for Sterling K. Brown. Yeah. It's, it's like the, they could have cast like, you know, anybody, but like they picked some really great actors for those smaller parts. And because they did like Daniel Kaluuya, who's so great in Get Out, and, also in and, an early episode of Black Mirror, and, as was Letitia Wright in this. As was Letitia Wright. <laughs> okay, we can't really make all the connections yeah, constantly. We can't, we can't make all the connections. But That's how my no, brain I, works. But I did. I did want to say for the for those two actors in particular, they were in some really gut punch scenes. Yes. Um, some gut punch moments where it really paid to have top tier actors in those very small parts. Made made them significant roles in this film. Well, Copy's a bigger part. I mean, he's he's more of like yeah, yeah, uh, sure. He, I mean, Najobu is a he's he's the mo- he's the thing that kicks off the story. Mm-hmm. But Wakabi's is T'Challa's best friend who turns on him. So that that's a major, I think, plot point. But the main oh, the, yeah. the main uh, plot of the film is is we first we start with I thought it was a fun sort of history of Wakanda, which I've seen probably as the only criticism of the film is possibly being that scene, which I didn't mind. It felt very much like Lord of the Rings, and we're gonna. We'll get to that in a yeah. second, but you have to kind of explain why this is a, sp- a special place. Mm-hmm. I thought that sequence was really bold because they just went for it. Yeah. Like that, that was what surprised me about it. I was like, a lot of times some of the campier aspects of the Marvel universe get toned down in the movies, but in this one, they just went for it. Like heart shaped. Like a meteorite crashed it. into the thing. And, and like, awesome. I, I think visually interesting too. And that like they go through history. So you've got, you, you see, you know, Africans in chains uh, yep. being led onto ships. And then you also see warplanes flying over, um, showing that, you know, wars were fought here that started elsewhere. Right. It's a, it's a globe-trotting film, mm-hmm. but also speaks to Africa and speaks to different parts of Africa. Not that it, like, so it's, like, not, you know, a lot of times Africa is sort of, like, it's one huge country. No, it's actually a very large landmass of many countries and many peoples. And even in within Wakanda, there are different groups. Different tribes. And they speak different languages, different tribes, different, yeah. And it's uh, also the, got African different nations built yeah. into it a little bit as well, because, you know, it is about African-Americans' relationship with Africa, too. The colonialism is a big undercurrent in the film. I mean, there, Wakanda yes. is has been safe from that because it's been not hit, literally hidden, but also hidden behind impenetrable mountains and forests. So it, it was spared European colonialism, unlike most of the continents. So, and then the, the tension of revealing themselves to the world and the fear of what that would cause is, is the underlying, is one of the underlying themes of the movie. But and I think this is one of the, this is one of the best ones they've done. I mean, it's in the top five for sure for me. I, I'd have to really think about how yeah, high towards yeah. the top it, it would it's go. Hard, it's hard now because it's sort of, it's like beyond apples and oranges, it's like apples, right. oranges, bananas, pineapples. There's so many different kinds of Marvel Studios films. But right. yeah, it's, it's definitely up there in the, in the top tier for me. But uh, I think what makes it so fun is, and we've noticed this a lot in, the, in, the, in I guess the third wave of films is that they, they try a different kind of stories. To me, this wasn't really your standard Marvel superhero story. It felt more like you take one part James Bond Two parts yes. Game of Thrones, one part Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I thought of James Bond and Lord of the Rings as well. And then one part Marvel mm-hmm. and uh, mix it all together. And you get something really special. I, th- I thought, it's weird. It's, it, there's hardly any Black Panther in the movie, but it, not in a bad way. It's more of an ensemble movie than I was yes. anticipating going yeah. into it, for sure. And even then, he's, yeah. I mean, actual time in the suit is probably very low. And I, and it probably the lowest since Iron Man 3. And it's, it's totally fine because, as you said, it's a, there's so many interesting characters and great actors in it doing interesting things that as great as Chadwick Boseman is you don't ever to me go oh man when are we getting back to Black Panther because you're with you think about him yeah you think about him more as king of Wakanda than as like a superhero, superhero. yes yeah. yeah and like in in, Mar- in Marvel Comics he's been all different levels of superhero too like you know he's yes. fought alongside the X-Men he's been with you know Captain America but like also he's been the, the hero Avengers. of Hell's Kitchen, like he's, yes. you know, he's filled in for Daredevil and stuff, right. and you know, so he's he's uh, he wears many different hats. Talk about the, you know, the James Bond thing. You have the the great casino sequence, yes. but then also he has his own cue, and it's his sixteen <laughs> year old sister Shuri, who um, I would say steals the movie, but kind of everybody steals the movie because the, you know, look, 
M'Baku steals M'Baku, the movie. Yeah. Oh, um, M'Baku, yeah. The Dora uh, Malache steal the movie whenever they're on screen. So it, it's just, um, I, I think Brian's totally right. It's it's more of an ensemble film than um, you could have anticipated. Just thinking, okay, this is Black Panther's story. But it's, I mean, it. I mean, Chadwick Boseman definitely has like a key role in it, but like he disappears for a bit. Right. As you said, he's not always um, in the Black Panther garb, and it's not always in Wakanda. It's globe as well like i said earlier they go to south korea speaking Um, of the garb the costuming in this movie is amazing yes yeah yeah um, Uh, i was blown away by how cool everyone looked yeah it was cool seeing uh 1992 era uh t'chaka as black panther yeah uh with a a slightly different costume it's it's obviously recognizable as black panther but he also has the textiles um so it's also really colorful and you don't get to really see him in action but it's always neat when you know it's a thing we can we can do in the Marvel Studios movies and where we see you know like old school Ant-Man in the 70s right like we we can see those costumes and stuff there's also not a lot that Marvel can do because they don't have a ton of legacy characters like Black Panther is yeah, that's true. Ant-Man they sort of invented it for the films but Black Panther is a legitimately legacy character so it's fun to visit different eras of Black Panther even the hint of it when T'Challa goes into the astral plane and visits his father and you, you see all the panthers sort of lounging on the on the branches of the tree and then they become people so those are all his legacy of black panthers and there's a whole yeah. lineage of that, that that's fun to think those about. scenes are those scenes are so good um they're so good they're gorgeous the, I, they're stunning yeah it's awesome yeah i'm i notoriously uh, like usually very critical of dream sequences mm-hmm. I, I feel like they're often a, cr- a storytelling crutch and I, and they just sort of bother me stylistically but i loved all of those scenes there's you could really consider there being like three of them you know t'challa has two one in the beginning and one later on and then um killmonger has his own when he goes into into that realm and it's very different yep and that that sequence kill when killmonger goes into the you know, into the astral plane or, or however you want to conceptualize it, go, uh, has his vision and sees his father. That's the moment I'm talking about with yeah. uh, Sterling K. Brown. Just powerful the way they, they interact and where Sterling K. Brown is like, wow, so that's that's where we are. That's where, that's the son I raised. Like, uh, wow. And seeing him, uh, seeing Killmonger as, you know, as an adult, but then also as, as a kid back in 1992, going back and forth between the two, really strong. Um, I don't want to say Marvel movies are bad at heart because there's a ton of them with great heart. Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor Ragnarok even has a lot of heart to it, as wacky and weird as it is. But th- I was not expecting just the level of emotional resonance. Like, I was not, you know, expecting to get misty at certain sequences when I, and I really was because, um, and, and I think part of it, part of my expectation was because T'Challa himself is such a stoic character Mm -hmm. and you don't think of him as, or at least with civil, with cap civil war, I didn't think of him as the warmest character. Although he does have that great moment at the end where he decides not to kill this man who is responsible for the death of his father. But I think they do some really smart stuff. That first vision he has when he when he's talking to his father and and T'Chaka says, you know, you you have to be you know ready to be the king. And and he's like, I don't think I'm ready. And it's it's not about being the king. He's he's you know been raised and and trained, and he's ready for that role. He's just he's he's sad to lose his dad. Yeah. And it's a very human story, where which. Stories about royalty, you know, and and the divine right of kings can usually be kind of heightened and very distant as a human experience. They they humanize it. Well, they're still they're still people, and it still is a dad. I mean, he's the king, but I mean, he's still he's still the guy's dad. So yeah, (laughs) no, totally. This did a really good job of that whole heavy as the head that wears the crown thing, and I think. I had that same thought too, Paul, where at the end of the movie, I realized Chadwick Boseman doesn't really show much strong emotion throughout the film. And you're kind of relying on knowing that he's got a lot going on internally, but also how other characters are acting. So Letitia Wright's character, his sister, like also seems to be kind of the outlet for some of his emotions. And I think, you know, that's something we see in the real world, too. Often the younger sibling that's an heir to a a crown gets to be the one who screws around and does whatever they want. And 
the the person who actually is going to inherit the mantle has to take that seriously and doesn't get to have fun uh, like their younger siblings do. And so I thought things he's like, like that. He's were, like the he's like the Leonardo of the Ninja Turtles. He like is I, like the Leonardo of the Ninja Turtles. I, I think of a lot of. I think of a lot of superhero archetypes that way because the, the four of them actually do a really good job of representing different character types that you see it, in heroes. And yeah. so often you like the Raphaels because they're so cool or the Come Michelangelos because they're fun. Right. And then, you know, Leonardo's kind of like, you know, he's it's it's why a lot of people don't like Superman. He's or the Cyclops. Cyclops. He's the exactly. Duke. He's, yeah. S- settle down, Stick guys. in the mud, kind <laughs> of. So what is Donatello then? Donatello is um well sure wasn't it cuz she's like always gadgeting sure sure yeah well, what's his archetype archetype i don't that's that's it's harder to define i don't know there's a um, uh, there's a video on it i can send you a link to okay <laughs> i'm serious <laughs> i, I yeah. so the main thrust of the film is that as T'Challa be- ascends to become black panther from the events in captain america civil war that was the one right i need to rewatch yes. that one yeah yeah He's attacked on two fronts, one from Ulysses Claw, played by Andy Serkis, who we, who we saw before briefly, but really he's being attacked by Eric Killmonger, his cousin, his secret cousin from, uh, from America, who is mm-hmm. a special forces badass and covered in tattoos from all the people he's killed. And killed a lot of people. Lots of people, and he ends up taking the throne from T'Challa, beating him in, in trial by combat, and uh, briefly being the, the new Black Panther. Michael B. Jordan is terrific, and he was so good... As the villain, that I was a little sad that that that's all we're going to get from him in this yep. in the Marvel universe. I did not want him to uh, not be in these movies anymore because I just. But man, not, that not guy... even that. Not even that the character died, and, for, and I think that was another really, really terrific and emotional scene. But that he was playing this particular character, I think I was like, man, he would have been so good as as someone else who we get to see all the time in the in the Marvel universe, as opposed to this one terrific character we get one time. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, the other thing is, like, he leaves a really lasting impression. I do think it's really unfortunate that you don't get to, we, we don't get to see him again. But, I mean, maybe in Visions, I think that would be kind of well, interesting. Well, technically, he's, he was a Black Panther, so he, would, he could technically be living on the astral plane with the he other could, Black yeah. Panthers, which I'm sure they are all thrilled about. And he makes a very <laughs> strong, very thematically appropriate case for why he's not going to be sticking around. And says, you yep. know, I don't want to be in captivity i don't want to be chained up right it's better off to be dead and that's a character moment in the marvel studios movies that's gonna that's gonna stick with audiences like you're not gonna forget killmonger even if you only got to see him in one film it's one of the strongest villains they've had yeah yeah it is one of the i'm sorry i cut you off paul but i agree with you that it is one of the strongest villains they've had maybe the strongest since loki but another thing julie pointed out to me is that these movies have been in production for a while, but it's really interesting some of the themes that movies like this and Wonder Woman are choosing to tackle. Lines specifically like, you know, didn't humanity start in Africa? Aren't we all Africa's people? Yeah. And things like, let's build bridges, not barriers. Like, those are pretty resonant statements. Yep. Well, I mean, that, that that kind of thing can very easily be thrown into the movie at the last second. Or, you know, I mean, that, I think those very pointed... Oh, yeah, I imagine that was... Those are very pointed shot at certain people... In the film, which I mean, I, it's not. I don't think that's coincidence that they're talking about. Yeah, that's one where I feel like it's very much intentional. Whereas there's other stuff that's that's uh, more serendipitous, like the feeling I got when Killmonger defeats T'Challa in in combat, mm-hmm. or throws him over the waterfall, and everyone is like, "Well, what do we do?" Like, yeah, I remember having that feeling not so long ago, <laughs> and that that fear. You know, creeping up like, okay, this is the this is the new this is the new guy in charge, and what the hell? Like, what's going to have happen? that shot of him upside down? Yeah, where you're just like, yep, that's what it feels like. Burning oh. down, you know, all the the uh, the flowers, the heart shaped uh, herb, and then it flips to that yeah that upside down shot of him going into the throne room, and it's powerful stuff. But also, he's like he's he's much more than a bwahaha kind of bad guy. He's like, there's parts of it where you're like, yeah, he's got a really good point. Well, he's, dri- he's driven by pain, and that's often some of the best motivation, right, for bad yeah. guys. Because you you obviously he's a bad guy; you don't want him to win. But at the same time, you do feel bad for him. He was, a, we see him in the beginning as a cute little kid playing basketball in Oakland. And now he's gotten to this point for various reasons. And you know, the last thing anybody needs is three white guys to talk about the black experience. But you know, it's right. it's it's pervasive throughout the throughout the film of what it can drive people to do. But I'll, I'll say this as a white guy, it is an experience I want to understand better. 
And so I'm really open to these stories because I'm hungry for a different experience. I don't necessarily, I am not one of those people who needs every lead character to look like me. And if anything, I think there are more interesting stories to be told about other types of people. And yeah, I'm I mean, like I'm really bored of, you know, seeing, you know, white guy lead characters. Uh, like we saw, there was a trailer for Death Wish, the new, the Bruce Willis remake. And I was oh like, talk about the wrong time for an unironic Bruce Willis <laughs> Death Wish remake. Like this is not the movie I want right yeah, now. The movie looks all. terrible on every oh. single level. Um, yeah. So I will say, you know, I, I, I agree with you. There is like a little bit of eye rolling that we are three white guys talking about this, but it, it, these are themes and, and characters I want in my world. I want in my media diet. And, and I heard some commentary online that people were saying, like, they, they said, this is, I, I believe it was a, a woman speaking, saying that I, I know some white guys who are saying, like, oh, it's cool that they're making this movie. You know, this should be out there. It's not for me, but I'm glad that, you know, black people have this. And I'm like, I, I mean, yes, like, I'm glad that they have this, but I'm glad that everybody has it, too. Like, I'm I'm. I enjoyed it. Like I, it's one of my top movies and like, so I don't feel like it's this weird, you know, subcategory thing, you know, like it's this, the, it's this also around thing. Like it's, you know, but it's, it's an awesome movie, no matter who you are. I mean, it's obviously for everyone and it's terrific for everyone, but I think there's obviously a deeper level in the same way that Wonder Woman is a deeper level for a lot of women. It's oh, abso- movie. Absolutely. It had that energy around it. Like Wonder Woman did in the theater where people were really, yeah, waiting I felt that as well for, for I don't want to say on-screen validation, but to see themselves as the hero. Representation is important, you know. Let's continue to talk about how great the cast yeah. was. Angela Bassett, small role as as Ramonda uh, T'Challa's mother, but she was really good. Force Whitaker in the Obi Wan Kenobi Zuri role was really good. Yep. And then you had, as we said, the badass women around him. Shuri by Letitia White was the sister; she was terrific. Lupita Nyong'o, who plays Nakia, his. I guess his ex or whoever T'Challa's in yeah, love they, with. They refer to her as as uh, his ex. I, and I was thinking I would love to see like a like a prequel sort of situation in in some format. I don't know if it's you know a movie, but like I would love to see them like studying and like their relationship because and obviously it would probably be different actors or it would be a comic book or something. But I I really like I like their dynamic. I like the idea that she feels a special calling to. You know, not just be in Wakanda to be. She's we meet we meet up with her. She's in Nigeria. She's um yeah. one of she's the spy. called war, war dogs. Yeah, they're spies. The Wakandan spies that are. We know that they're in several cities in America. They they mention New York and uh, in L A. Obviously, we were in Oakland in the beginning of the movie. Like Hong Kong, maybe I don't remember. I think they said Hong Kong. Yeah, and yeah. um so yeah, so they're all around, and that's that's a a part of uh, Killmonger's wider plan is to militarize them like to like sort of like activate them in the way that Bucky is activated and you know I don't know how they would feel about that individually but they have their commands from Killmonger the new king mm-hmm. to you know um well he wants he wants to dominate the world they they, they have the yeah, technology. he wants to dominate the world he wants that he wants to take down all these all established governments and all the colonialists um, it's going to be yeah, all the colonialists and uh and arm the people so yeah but i i think uh nakia's calling is really interesting it, it it's just like she's got a bit of a like a lois lane thing going on it's not just about her dynamic with t'challa it's uh or the or the wakandan um royalty it's she's got other concerns other global concerns that she wants to take care of and i really like that and it doesn't come down to like i was like i was worried like with various characters, like oh, how are they going to wrap them up, and like their final, like their choices of where they're going to end up? Are they just going to, you know, rally around T'Challa and become like you know, just part of his rallying group? And it's more than that. Oh, for sure. I mean, the final battle is won by all of them together. Okoye, the the general played by Dene Guerra. I, I get all the names yeah. wrong. From I Walking had no Dead. idea that was Michonne. I had no yeah. idea until after. And she's as important as anyone leading the, you know, sort of the rebellion against Killmonger and has that great scene with the rhino. And yeah, and against her husband or? Uh, I think it's her, her boyfriend. Lover. Yeah. Boyfriend? Yeah. Okay. Or lover. Yeah. Yeah, they just refer to each other as, as, as lovers. I was like, how is that going to turn out? And what's, you know, what is uh, Wakabi going to do when he's faced off with this woman he loves, but also he has this feeling that, you know, 
maybe Killmonger's taking this too far, but I kind of agree with, you know, his politics and the idea that we should be helping people. And he and there's reason for that, because he's the guy on the border, on the border. The yeah, he's part of the border tribe. And it's their job to keep even, you know, not just colonizers, but refugees and, and people from other nations in Africa from getting into Wakanda. So he sees the, you know, the plight of these people living in the surrounding nations. So it makes, it kind of makes sense for, you know, um, for him to be disappointed that T'Challa is, is not doing more. There are no pat answers here. Yeah. Right. And that's why it makes it interesting is that everyone, I mean, the last thing anybody wants to hear is everyone's point of view has nuance to it. But in this particular situation, everyone's point of view does have some nuance to it. So you, you do mm-hmm. kind of understand everyone's. Even when he's giving the very prescient speech about refugees and not wanting them to, to change the culture, it still it makes sense from his point of view because he's, as you said, on he's on that front line. I really love the tension within, the, within Wakanda. I loved all the different tribes. The gorilla tribe was terrific. Mm-hmm. And they're vegetarian. It's so good. Oh. Yeah, the I love yeah, all the the, the architecture, the crazy gorilla. Yes. It felt very much like like Rod. You know, there's a giant gorilla statue. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. And all the and all the panther stuff around yeah. Wakanda. There was a moment, and I didn't think about it much beforehand, but I like that we we get to see. It's not the first time you see him in costume, but to see the Black Panther costume in. Um, Nigeria when he's like hiding up in a yes, tree. Those are my favorite shots. Because like yeah, when the like the flashlight hits him. And yep. it's just like when you're seeing like like wildlife, you know, photography, like going into the dark because it's like a nocturnal animal, and then the the flashlight goes up and you see the, you know, like the reflection in the eyes and stuff. And that's something that you sort of lose in Captain America Civil War because he's in like Moscow the whole time. Like he's right, in or he's like in an, you, yeah, in an you really get and, how terrifying it would be to look up and see this guy crouched in a tree ready to pounce on you as you would if you saw a real panther up there it was that was a terrific shot and that goes back to the the classic you know kirby illustrations of him like you know crouched up in in a tree and stuff and and i know uh, i said this on the the thor show and maybe even also on the justice league show but man we are just like how much has Kirby contributed to the visual aesthetic of everything that's happening? Especially with these right last now. two. I mean, with, with Thor Ragnarok, yep. it was huge. And then you can see Kirby all over this. You know, it's, and I like that it's, it's a good mix of, of Kirby stuff, but then also, like, you can't point to any, like, one Black Panther comic and say, like, here's where that came from. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it's, um, it's this whole bunch of artisans coming in and doing all this research on, you know, Wakanda is not a real African nation, but it has a certain geographic position where they look to surrounding areas and saying, okay, what are the cultures and what kind of, you know, textiles do they have? What kind of, you know, what kind of uh, masonry do they do? And so you but get there, this. And there's whole, also, there's also the whole Afrofuturism thing of Afro, like. Yeah, that's where I was getting to. Yeah. The Afro yeah sci-fi designed specifically so around cool. an African aesthetic which is not it's it's been in sci-fi for a little while not that long but it's cool to see it fully realized with a budget on the big screen in all it's like yeah i remember i remember when district 9 came out and when dread came out thinking this looks so refreshing because it's not just like fucking vancouver you know <laughs> it's like they shot that stuff in south africa and it has a whole different look than what we're used to. I'm like, I'm sure people in New York are tired of seeing, you know, the New York skyline, you not. know, exploding. And, yeah, you know. That doesn't sound at all. <laughs> They're not tired of that. <laughs> I know people from New York who are tired of just seeing New York getting blown up all the time. So, but, but like, you know, I think, I think it was really cool to, you know, and not just, you know, the African stuff in Nigeria and, and, and in Wakanda, but like the, the, the South Korean chase and the casino stuff was a really neat setting. And it goes back to the James Bond thing. I was like, wow, this is really neat. Like we haven't kind of seen this in a Marvel studios film, you know, this, this whole vibe. And that, and that's pretty cool. It's great that we, we, I mean, it's, it's doing so incredibly well. We're definitely going to get another one of these, whether or not Ryan Coogler comes back to do it. But I, I think he's a big part of yeah. the vision of the film. His, him and his crew, uh, Rachel Morrison, really created a, a really lush and wonderful looking film. You know, one of the things that Marvel does really well among many things is they let these real visionary directors do their vision. And I know there's some tension with some of the directors and but right. it, it looked like a film made by a really talented director with a really Spot, special like Shirt's eye. Lab with the spiral yeah. thing. It was really neat. 
well, the whole waterfall and, space. And Paul, you were they, mentioning about like New York being overused in films. To have them go back to Oakland at the end of the movie, yeah, yeah. I thought was like a really nice touch. Again, in like my white perspective, would not have made that jump. And so it was really refreshing to see something I didn't expect because it came from a different perspective. And it was also kicking around in the back of my mind. And I looked it up afterwards and the Black Panther Party was founded in Oakland. So I also thought that was kind mm. of a cool. Right. Well, Coogler's from Oakland. From Oakland uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Fruitvale Station is about Oakland. Does Creed start there? They're in they're in L.A. They're in L.A. Yeah. In the L.A. area for like and then he goes to Philly like it doesn't start in Philly. So. That, so, yeah, that's interesting. And um, the other thing that's great about that is that this movie is so like. I can say this is a great superhero movie without reservations. Like there are mm-hmm. so many great, Mar- even Marvel Studios films, even some of my top ones, where they're great, but then I have to kind of make apologies for certain things. This one has a really satisfying arc. Yes. Um, and the characters go through interesting changes. There's a great. Uh, we we keep you know praising the ensemble, and, we, and I think it's the I th- honestly the size of the cast, the quality of the performances and the actors. I think it's the best ensemble they've had in one of these Marvel films, maybe I mean, in a to me, the movie, film. the movie it most represents within the MCU right now, you know, um, you guys are talking about like the James Bond stuff, but it's also very much a sci-fi movie. And yeah. I think it most, it felt the most similar to something like guardians of the galaxy. Cause there's a bunch of new characters, a bunch of new settings. It, I think fleshes mm-hmm. out the mythology of the MCU more so than any movie to come before it, it save for maybe, um, guardians. But yeah, it just, it's adding a ton of really rich realized content to what was already a pretty expansive world. Well, it's a whole new part of the world. It, it delves into the history of it. Anytime you can really expand both geographically and temporally makes for, for the whole yeah. universe more richer. And I think that one of the things this, this did, I mean, this is, there's a whole bunch of new fun characters and we've already seen from the trailer of, the Avengers film coming out in a few months that they'll be battling in Wakanda versus whatever's happening. So that's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see M'Baku come back for Infinity War. I want an M'Baku movie. I want to just hang out with him in his throne room. He was terrific. That's where it got... I think you you mentioned um, earlier, along with the, the James Bond thing, there's like sort of a Game of Thrones, Lord of the yeah. Rings kind of thing. Yeah. And like going up, you know, when you think Africa, like you don't always think snowy mountainous areas. Right. But that's part of Africa too, and they go up into their kingdom, and they have their own design. It doesn't look like it looks in Wakanda. It looks it's very different. They have their own language. Yeah. They, you know, they pay homage to you know the the gorilla stuff, you know, visually, and also with the you know with the grunting kind of thing, mm-hmm. and being uh, vegetarian, and being vegetarian, and, and and terrifying Everett Ross, who is the most English American. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I think his uh, his American accent is better than Benedict. He needs to teach he's, his buddy. He's very good. Accent. He's very good. But there's some. Yeah. But the accent's knowing, great. His face screams English. Yeah, it, that's it's, true. And it's just because, like, they they said when they cast him for Bilbo Baggins for for those movies that you know he is the most English looking. Like he's the most like the <laughs> he's, common. He's quintessentially man, like, English, English looking quintessentially like bothered and doesn't want to go out on adventures but then also does. Arthur Arthur Dent in Guardian or in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide again a very British character but so. a- right, Everett right. Ross even gets his hero moment you know he he's flying yeah. a ship to stop Killmonger from sending supplies out of Wakanda and breaking their cover and even though he doesn't die he he sacrifices himself he there's a there's a ship that's shooting at him it's going to break through the shields and he can flee and let the ships escape, but now he decides to stay. And I thought that was a really great moment where he said, where he said load it up yeah, again. He gets back in there. And, and, let me back in. Um, that, that was a really, was a really smart choice because if you just put him in the ship, then he's at risk and he can't just walk away. Yeah. But to put him in a situation where he's temporarily safe and then to introduce a risk like the lab is about to be destroyed puts him in a position where he has to make a choice about whether or not he's going to complete the mission, save the kingdom. That's not even his own kingdom that he's been uncomfortable and threatened in the whole time. But I, I loved that they gave him the hero moment to make that decision. And yeah, he was a great fighter pilot before his work in the CIA. But the reason he made that choice is because he's inspired by the Wakandans and he's yeah. inspired by Black Panther and seeing, you know, their dedication and the, you know, their, wanting to fight for each other and their, their self-sacrifice. And so it's important for that character in this movie to be inspired by. And he even gets the um, sort of the, the button Wakanda. at the end in the 
mid-credit sequence in which T'Challa decides to reveal themselves and go to the United Nations, which is, why is it in Austria? Did it get blown up in New York? I don't remember if that happened in a previous film or not. Oh, God. But um, <laughs> he goes there to announce that they've decided to open their borders and reveal and, and let people in and share their knowledge and resources. And some, the resources. Some guys like, what resources do fa- farmers have? And, and there's a nice little smug smile from... Uh, from Martin Freeman in the audience knowing what's coming. So he, mm-hmm. he's fully now on the Wakanda train, which is nice. I also really liked that because he was a CIA guy, he could say when Killmonger did things that didn't seem to be like smart or clever moves to me, like when he burned the, the heart-shaped herb uh, yeah. plot. And yeah. Martin Freeman was like, no, no, this is exactly what you would do in this situation from a destabilizing a nation yeah. that you're trying to take he's over. Like, yeah, we, yeah, we, we kind of suck. We do that shit. <laughs> yeah, so it's, I like that he so was there to explain to me, somebody who doesn't know how to yeah. overthrow a nation, that this is how you do it. <laughs> you didn't take that class in college? No, I was too busy with the manatees. Oh. I, I have a hard time finding criticism with the film. I mean, anything I could say would be an utter nitpick, and so I'm, I'm yeah, not even it's that a, You kind of have to scrabble it. for it. I mean, like, yeah, like you said, the beginning with the exposition. I liked it, it though. Can, yeah. It can be a little dry, but yeah, but I liked it. Like, because I, it was just, so visually just, arresting that I didn't ma- mind that it was happening. And you needed it. You really needed it. Literally the only negative thing I told someone when they asked me was when they buried Chichal in the snow the second time when he goes... After okay. he takes the heart shape. I feel like the snow looked a little fake. That was the only thing <laughs> I can think of that I didn't like about the movie. There's like <laughs> one main Wakandan thoroughfare, like one street. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the, and it's like, but it's not, it's not the problem of just this movie. Like you see it in like uh, Hellboy 2, the Golden Army. Like they go to that like, like demon marketplace or something. Mm-hmm. Like you're like, okay, that's a set. Like that they have this one block. You know, and so like there's I mean, they fill it out with other CG stuff and some and some other things. But like there is very and like it it kind of happens in Thor Ragnarok, too, where Thor is in disguise and and they're out. It's during the bit where um, Banner is Banner and they're they're getting through this crowd uh, of aliens. And it's really beautiful and it's all really cool. But like that's where you can kind of see some of the seams. You know, like I wish that there was. I wish Wakanda. I wish there was more of Wakanda. I wish it was bigger. I wish it was real. I wish we could go there. <laughs> I really want Ryan Coogler. I, I like. I, I want Ryan Coogler to do another one of these if that's what he wants to do. Sure. I also, whatever he wants to do, give him a blank check and let him do it. Whatever movie that is. Well, the benefit of this for him as an artist is that he gets to do next whatever he wants to do. Yeah. If it is another one of these and clearly this is very close to his heart, you can read it, you can see it from all the interviews, you can also just see it from the film itself that these world and these characters were very important to him. So, if it's another one of these because he wants to keep telling the story then great, but when you make a 200 million dollar opening weekend worldwide movie, you get to do whatever you want to do next. So, he will Well, it's sort of I mean, I hope I hope he takes an arc like Christopher Nolan took where, you know, he did the Batman movie and then in between each Batman movie he'd do a passion project. Right. And so he was still making really good Super they were really movies. big passion projects too, and then he um, would get get to do an Inception. You know, I want I want that model where I, I want to have my cake and eat it too. He is doing something else. I think a, a sm- obviously smaller than a Black Panther, but a smaller movie with Michael B. Jordan again. So I'm excited for that. I forget. I think it's based on real events. I I, I can't remember what it is right now, but they Wrong are working answer. on another project. Yes, yeah, that's what it was. It was the Georgia. The Atlanta school yes, district. Yes, that's right. The math, the math teacher, the math scandal. Yes, I remember hearing about that a while ago. That's though. what it is. Yeah, yeah. So they're so they're working on that. They'll be, you know. Oh wow, Tom Easy Coates is writing the screenplay. Whoa! Holy shit! <laughs> so, yeah, I'm I'm on board for you know that, but you know, but also I I hope that whether Ryan Coogler does it, I'm sh- or it's going to be some or it's going to be somebody else. They do a Black Panther two, a Black Panther three, because. Uh, there's, they're just sort of like, you know, tip of the iceberg with the possibilities of Wakanda as a setting. And with those characters, like we said, we would see an M'Baku movie. I really want to see this, his sister Shuri hanging out with Tony yep. yeah. and Bruce and Peter. And Bruce. Peter, oh my God, I didn't even think of that, yeah. I want her to join the Science Bros, you know? Yes. I want, I want that team. And I want a movie, a movie with those four people. I just want everything that's not ever going to happen. In my head, it will. So, any final thoughts on Black Panther? I mean, I mentioned the uh, the score is really good. The songs from and inspired by album that Kendrick Lamar did is also just phenomenal. Like, oh, just good. Spe- I downloaded it, but I haven't listened to it yet. Oh my god, it's so good. And it, like, it there's some of the songs are in there. Like, there's a, there's a song that I think um, the weekend did with Kendrick Lamar that's in the casino scene. Yeah. There's also the great song. 
all the stars that plays over the credits, which is awesome. There's some, there's some really really great stuff in that whole album. I'd, I'd listened to it before the movie. I didn't. I couldn't wait. And then also the score album is really cool because it employs you know interesting stuff like you know African instrumentation and percussion and, and like there's like uh, pan flutes and things like that. And it all sounds really cool. But um, especially coming from the Marvel Studios legacy of terrible soundtracks <laughs> these two are really it has both a, a great score and a great music from an inspired by album and hopefully this and thor ragnarok are signs of with the, with the great mark mothersbaugh score that that had are signs of better music in these movies ahead we'll have to see what happens with ant-man and the wasp but I'm so tired of the generic Marvel scores that they've had for so many of their movies. This should be, you know, the model and not the exception. Do you think that maybe Kendrick Lamar is working on an Ant-Man and the Lost soundtrack? <laughs> I, I, um, I find that doubtful, but yeah. um, that would also be kind of neat. Um, but I don't know. Like, <laughs> it, would be a, it would be a swerve. No one would see it coming. That's find sure. a really great artist and producer to do something fun with, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp or like Infinity Wars. Like, do some, like give... I mean, it's probably already in the works, or it's probably like mostly done. But Infinity War, like, give that to somebody like the Sword or like Wolf Mother or something. Like, do some crazy like metal cosmic thing. What if Adam Ant had a soundtrack for Ant Man and the Wasp? Would you be okay? Cool. Uh, I was thinking, I was, I was trying to think of like Ant themes. So and the best I could come up with is Alien Ant Farm, which is nobody wants that. I don't know. Yeah, Adam Ant, give it to Adam Ant. That's better. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, any final thoughts on the film? The overall. I really enjoyed seeing it. I enjoyed discussing it with Julie afterwards. I really enjoyed discussing it with you guys. I think it's almost a perfect movie. And Wakanda Forever, rhinos are your friend. Wakanda Forever. Yeah, I like that the rhinos are like okay. So how did the rhinos work out for you, Ryan? I thought the CGI on most of the animals in the movie was a little rough as somebody who uh, looks at animals a lot. But, you know. The dog was good. The dog before they pan up. The dog was good. But, um. But the actual Panthers, which, again, are magical constructs anyway, so I was very willing to let that one slide. But the rhinos looked a little rough. But, you know, Connor, rhinos are not that closely related to manatees. You might think they were (laughs) based on some of the the aesthetics, but they're they're actually pretty different. I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you know what kind of rhinos those were? Probably white rhinos. That's that's the bigger breed, right, Julie? We don't know. (laughs) <laughs> are black rhinos extinct? Is that? I think there are like, some local extinct. There are local uh, extinctions of black rhinos. I was wondering the, if they, I, my question was. I was basically wondering if the rhinos that they had in Wakanda were like some of the rhinos of the world that are thought to be extinct or are extremely rare. So uh, like, yeah. So you like you know that like well, at least there's some around in Wakanda. Like like the megalodon version of a rhino. Well, I did no. I meant. Uh, Something not necessarily a prehistoric rhino, but I I just meant like since a lot of rhinos are, right. and subspecies are going extinct, like in the past century, I was thinking like one of those maybe. Well, there's only two African rhino species: the white rhino and the black rhino. The rest of the African species are over in Asia, so right. it had to be one yeah. of those two. And to me, it looked more like a white rhino. But I am not a rhinoceridae expert. Rhinoceridae. Just as an- just as an animal guy, I, I like I liked that they were in there, and I liked that they weren't just like cannon fodder. Like even you know Wakabi, who's using it as you know like a beast of burden, war kind of animal. Like you could tell that he really cared about that animal, you know. And it's not just like horses going up on pikes that oh, always yeah, bothers that me in more movies. Sad. Like yeah, so like the, it looks like the rhinos are okay. The three rhinos that they had, they laid down at the end. They didn't, you know, nothing terrible happened. Well, they were armored. They were armored. Yes. So, uh, Black Panther, I'd say it's a five-star film out of five. That's I agree with you, yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, when we're trying to th- think of any negatives, it's you really got to be splitting hairs. Like I, I have been thinking about it in it. terms of grades, so I'm not prepared uh, to give a numeric rating. Uh, I guess I would give it an A, which I, I suppose would translate into a five. So, if you have <laughs> thoughts on Black Panther, you can go to fanboy.com. There'll be a post there for this show. Uh, where you can talk about it. Before we go, guys, let's plug some things. Ryan, let's start with you and your your podcast. Uh, I do a podcast called Science Sort of. It's one of the few podcasts where you can learn that manatees actually have smooth brains. They don't have a wrinkled brain like we do. I don't, I don't even, oh. I'm not going to ask any follow-up questions as much as I might want to. That's all right. Paul? I'll have a follow-up email. So I've got, <laughs> a, so I've got a, a graphic novel coming out. Woo! 
in the summer. It'll so it'll be out in July. This has been in the work for years, so this is very surreal to actually be talking about it in terms of hey, publicly I can talk about this. I will have more information on it. It's called The Margins. I co-wrote it with my buddy David Acampo, who's appeared on some of my fanboy shows over the years. Uh, yeah, we co-wrote it, and then the artist's name is Amanda Donahue. It is her first comics work, and when you see some of the previews, you're going to be amazed that that's true. But she has a background in animation, and that will not be a surprise because of how expressive it is. I don't want to get too much into it. Just in Well, look at Paul already art. playing the game. He's already seasoned <laughs> pro. Yeah. <laughs> All so those years of interviewing comic creators have rubbed off on you. That was my, that was mostly my publishers being like, stop posting stuff. Like we gotta <laughs> we gotta market this later. So, but I'm really excited about it. It's a, it's sort of a it's sort of a YA fantasy. I'll say that. So it's called The Margins. Um, I'll have more information, and you'll be able to pre-order it by the end of this month, actually. So uh, it'll be available in print and digitally as well. And um, you can follow me at Fuzzy Typewriter, and also at The Margins Comic, all one word. Um, no hyphens or underscores in there for more information. But yeah, um, we're going to be talking a lot more about it towards the end of February and into March. And um, the book itself will be out around July. So uh, I hope everybody will at least take a look at it and consider it and um, and maybe check that out. But uh, I hope you enjoy it. So after after writing about comics and doing interviews for 10 years, it's it's kind of terrifying <laughs> to be promoting my own book. But I am very excited about it. Well, congratulations. Super excited for you, Paul. I can't I yeah. cannot wait to check it out. Thanks, man. All right. Well, so there you go. So until next time, which we will be back sooner than we thought because that Batman Ninja movie will be coming out. So we'll be yes. the Animation Brand Trust will be reviewing that in a few months. Buster Bluth as the Joker. More gorillas. Until then, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. I'm Ryan. And Julie's back there somewhere.